Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. How's it going, everyone? Time for another episode of the Go Long Podcast. I'm Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monis. Um, we're remote. We are with our families this fine Sunday night. Um, you know, got to mix these in from time to time when we've got little ones. You know, one of which on this end going through a little two-year sleep regression, which is always fun, Jim. You'll be there so, soon. So I have that to look forward to. Mm-hmm. That's what you're telling me, because I, I we finally we finally have had a nice couple months here of sleep, so that's not no, possible. But yeah, it's not going to sustain. We're not going to sustain success. Well, not- Mike McCarthy called it stacking success. You know, you have to stack this. You know, as opposed to all those other head coaches, Jim, that want their success kind of scattered around. You know, right, right, and it's, and that's it's better to mix, mix some failures in there. Right, um, right. Who, what team doesn't <laughs> want to sustain success? It's like, you know, we always talk about the uh, press conferences when they start off and every new coach and, hey, we're going to we're going to be physical. We're going to be aggressive on defense and we're going to we want to score early in games yeah. and get up on teams. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we'd rather yeah. get behind early and yeah, we'd rather right, like that. Route. Be, that's the way. Hey, but let me tell you this, though, even though we're remote. And the hey. kids are asleep. Hoptimonium's in my hand. I was just gonna say we we've we life can't be that bad, right? And and our little our little girl's the sweetest of of sweet little baby. She's unbelievable. We're we're so far. I think every family goes through this. So you'll get there soon. You think you're in the clear. It's kind of like the movie The Perfect Storm, where they're catching all those fish, right? Like you know, and like it. they think life is good, and then boom, the storm hits, and you're up every few hours and you just you just roll you just roll with it. I, I love it. Hey, it's it's, it's all fun. The, the perfect storm, and and of course I have to tie a little gambling story into that. But that movie is a that that's what you're talking about. That whole scene when underrated hey, like, movie, underrated movie, hundred percent agree. Um, but when they they get the fish right, they, man, what an accomplishment! Can they get back? And it's just like. It's just like when you take one of these NBA teams and they're up 20 going into the fourth. I mean, it looks so good. You might turn the TV off and go to sleep, and then you wake up in the middle of the night and put that cell phone, and you're like, oh, really? You blew a 20-point lead in the fourth? Like, the NBA is just brutal, brutal losses in the NBA. I had that buzzer beater, the alley-oop to, um, for Phoenix. DeAndre the other night. To, yeah, I had the Clippers money line. And it was to finish off a parlay. And it was, I was so excited. I felt like, wow, I, this was a good pick tonight. Like the Clippers, you know, George misses those free throws. I'm like, okay, you're not going to give up. But yeah, yes, you do. You, and you don't, you just turn the TV off, yeah. call tonight. Man, that's tough. And I got to say, we were ripping the NBA playoffs, you know, a couple podcasts ago and the Bucks for, and Giannis for being a regular season player. Man, were we wrong or what? Yikes. We were wrong. And, and we did say though, 
Milwaukee, this was Milwaukee series to win. We did say mm -hmm. if they were ever going to do it against Brooklyn, that that was the time to do it. You know, and Giannis, you know, the whole team that that team's been banging on the door. They're tough, yeah. And and they're they're out. I think they're much better than Atlanta. I you know I that Atlanta's done a nice job, but I think that's got to come to an end. So Milwaukee and Phoenix, the NBA is not real happy right now uh, as far as uh, TV ratings for the finals. Yeah. That's fine. They can cry all they want. I, I I'd, I'd take Milwaukee it. Phoenix. No, I, we'll yeah. have fun watching because we like basketball, but the casual. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. We got a little Hamburg. A couple different Hamburg beers in our hands here. You, yeah, you've so got the trusty Hoptimonium. Yeah. I'm telling you, Lakeview Lager, man. Lakeview Lager. It's uh it's oh. it's an OG yeah. beer at the establishment, just smooth, five point two. You know, it's it's perfect for the, this kind of weather. I mean, we've had 90 degrees like two, three days in a row. So it's very crushable, I'd say. You know, was doing a lot of work around the house. You know, if you mix in a few of these, you're good to go. Thank you, loggers, like um, like Kyle Williams was. You know, it's, it's just, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Every game he shows up the right way. It doesn't matter yeah. how old he gets, how long he's been in there. He, he, he dominates no matter what. It is. And you got to have that good foundational beer you know you do yeah. they've got it all there obviously they're our sponsor we love them but you know we're not blowing smoke up their ass for no good reason either so i hope everybody can get out to, to hamburg brewing um we're gonna be there often yeah. this summer and i know we, we mentioned it with doug um on the last podcast i think jim but we're, we're coaxing doug up to hbc so let's do a live event get get some subscribers out there drink some beer talk some bills I think that's going to happen. So it's the off season, but there's never really an off season. I wanted to ask you this though, Jim, like as somebody running an NFL team, as you and Doug were for like four years, four and a half years. Yeah. This month in the calendar mm -hmm. has to just kind of worry you, right? Like everybody kind of goes home, especially when Rex is bringing in all these personalities and he's taking risks on, well, he's not just taking risks on players. You know, he might he might even, you know, hire a coach who might fight a kid over a beach chair this time of year. That could happen as well. Uh, I'm, I imagine in your position, you're wondering what the hell is going to go on right now? Well, you, <clears throat> as soon as that last mini camp practice ends, you will hear tires screeching out of the parking lot. <laughs> players, coaches. Including Rex's office. truck out there probably, you know, 345, 4 p.m. He's out. Blaze he's done. Out. out. So let's go. It's vacation. And, and, and I say that in a way where, you know, people don't want, I mean, look, it's a great life in the NFL, but they, they don't have much downtime. Like you don't. And, and this is the month where you have it. It's when you get to, you, you go to wherever beach you like or whatever your family likes to vacation, you spend time with your family or, and it's, it is awesome. But do you get the occasional phone call that Kiko Alonso is done for the year? Is that a possibility? It sure is. Um, you know, so it's stuff like that that you, I never wanted to see Doug's, you know, his name pop up on myself. Because if it did, I was like, mm, he's either close to a beach I'm at or somebody got hurt. So it, it's, um, you don't want to hear from anybody from your organization this month. No, you just want to go and t enjoy your time with your family, gear up for training camp. I mean, when we crossed past that 2015 season, th th this is yeah. when shit went down. It, that, that was... first season with Rex was 
wow. insane as we've talked about, but it kind of started with Aaron Cromer and that, that, you know, beach chair altercation and spilled right into some I can and Polly early on in training camp. There's a lot of, yeah, good stuff. it was, you know, and the you used to, you know, it's a fine line front office and coaches. There's certain battles you fight certain ones. You don't IK wasn't one really worth fighting. I mean, it wasn't a big, that was, yeah, if I remember correctly, that was after all that. I mean, to us, that it was, was like, hey, training camp. yeah, that was in camp. It was like, whatever, let's take a shot and see. I mean, Rex had drafted him. So, I mean, he, you got to give him credit if he stood on the table for the guy and see what he has left. But at the end of the day, IK just wasn't a very good player. You know, it wasn't, it really had nothing to do with his attitude or work ethic. He tried, he just wasn't a very good player. Um, you know, so yeah, you, this is, but, but that training camp, you know, was, I do remember being excited, you know, being with Rex and those guys. I mean, it's like Eric Wood said on our, on our pod that one time about before Rex will get you fired up to do anything like, yeah. And you talk to him, you're ready to run through a wall. I mean, he really does put the belief in you. So yeah, it was, it was exciting that year. That was, that was a year we were definitely like, let's see what happens. And, you know, to your point on that last day of minicamp, I remember the following year was, he was pretty opinionated. Hey, we're up, we're the off season champs. Like we just had this great off season. He was feeling good. I mean, there's two ways to look at it. Obviously you can say it's ridiculous and, you know, you, you don't win anything in, in anything in the off season, but it was a good off season. He was feeling good. Send the boys back home for a month, come back, trying to build a little camaraderie. I, I get that too. It is. And it's, but, but you do need to, you know, when you're in the, in that life, it, it's important to get away from it this month. I mean, you really do. It is. To, yeah. You don't want to hear from any and the players don't want to hear from anybody either. I mean, they, they need their time too. So I always think back, this was a month that I always, you know, you always really cherish. You're like, okay, this is time to recharge. Because once you know it, I mean, even when you're, you know, when you're covering it, you're in it then. You're in there every day too. So, you know, once it starts, it's nuts. It's so true. It is. And we're going to get into a team in the NFC, a team in the AFC that we both think um, could sneak up on people this year. I mean, it's that time of year, right? We have to uh, kind of prognosticate and predict and, you know, yeah. throw, throw, throw some opinions out there. So I mean, we've got some boiling in the oven, but um, first off, I just want to say, if anybody wants to subscribe, it's a, it's a fine time to subscribe to go along TD.com. We have a series up on Eric Kramer. Uh, I know you checked it out, Jim. Thanks for giving it a look. Just unbelievable. Uh, former bears lions quarterback, what he's been through. We probably talked for over three hours, maybe even four hours on zoom and, and the phone and, my God, Jim, I mean, from his son's heroin, heroin overdose in 2011, mm. um, he kind of spiraled down a, a deep hole of depression. He was unbelievably honest and open. I don't want to give too much away here, but tried to take his own life. I mean, literally shot himself in the head underneath his chin, and the bullet miraculously didn't kill him. Um, it, it kind of went up through his nose, through his forehead, severed his frontal lobe, which kind of, I mean, that is a story in itself, how he survived that, something that no, nobody survives. Um, he, he wrote a suicide note. He did all of that stuff. But then after that, it, it appeared he was okay. And ESPN did an Outside the Lions story with him. I know a Bleach Report, Dan Pompey, excellent feature writer, a good friend of mine did a story. Sports Illustrated did a story. Like He made the rounds. He gave speeches all about this ordeal and how he 
He's feeling better than ever mentally, physically, but he, he wasn't, it's insane. He, he really opened up on that all where his brain really was in this fog and it took him a good five years to kind of wake up from this metaphorical coma because he could kind of process the simple things. He couldn't, he couldn't really understand risk. He just said yes to the last thing that anybody told him. He basically had the brain of a 60 year old is what a neuro, um, a neuroscientist told him. So I'm sorry, a neuropsychologist told him. And um, yeah, without getting, giving away too much, like I said, he, he was basically just victimized, taken advantage of by a woman who coerced him into a marriage, stole money from him, um, about $400,000 if you include legal fees, the legal system itself just ravaged his bank account. I mean, nobody looked after Eric Kramer, the conservatorship program in the United States is so ass backwards, it'll make your head spin. So um, unbelievable that he's still standing. Unbelievable Eric Kramer got to the other side. His brain eventually kind of woke up and he can he can tell tell the story. So we'd love it if people gave us a shot at go along, subscribe, read our three-part series. I thought that Eric Kramer was just, just phenomenal the way he opened up on this. Yeah, I was telling you, Tyler, it was that's one of those it was hard for me to, you know, I even I was upfront with you that I haven't read the whole yeah. thing yet because I, I just not ready to go down that whole like sad road but i know there's good at the end but how when you talk to him is his attitude his voice is he pretty upbeat is he is he totally pretty positive right now that's a great question jim and and i'm sure he'll come on this podcast so we'll get him on here to talk about it so <clears throat> listeners can can hear it for themselves as well but i'll, I'll say this like he really kind of snapped out of that coma metaphorical yeah. coma for good like february of 2020 mm -hmm. and we first spoke in october and and he was good i mean he he can really go through every transaction i mean he remembers seeing the first thing that he did on the bank account now that this courtney yeah. bear did i mean he can he can relive this all like with an insanely good memory with, with the help of his friends obviously but he was kind of down at that point in october when we first talked because he couldn't he couldn't get a job. I mean, his reputation was tarnished by this woman too. I mean, uh, a domestic violence charge against him just kind of dragged his name through the muck. I mean, it was on TMZ, ESPN, everywhere, CNN. I mean, it, it was, and it, as it turns out, what you might've read at the time of that domestic violence was not what happened whatsoever and allowed her to squeeze more money out of Eric Kramer. It, it's such a tragedy. Like I said, I don't blame you, Jim. Like read, read at your own pace. And that goes for everybody because it was tough to, I mean, it was, it was tough to write at time. It was tough to have this conversation with him throughout. But, you know, in October, he was a little down. He, he thought he was going to get a job at a local high school. He had worked with the head coach. When that coach was a quarterback, he kind of tutored him. He tried to get him the job. He's like, man, I can't get you this job. They're saying you're not a good fit. Well, Eric knew it was because they Googled his name and saw that yeah, charge. But I think his time has kind of passed. <clears throat> it, justice will be served. More people are hearing this story. More people will, will write this story. He'll, he'll talk. He'll get, it, he'll get his message out. And look, the, the next hearing is Monday. Well, people are probably listening to this Monday. That, that's the hearing. They're going to set a trial. Date. And um, she'll pay for what she did. You know, how much? She faces up to 14 years in prison, 12 felonies. Um, the more she pays, the less her sentence is probably, right? I mean, that's what's right. going to happen here. He's optimistic. I think that 
you know, candidly kind of said, like, look, it, she doesn't have a lot of money, but there's a lot of money in her family. Like, so if her family don't want to like watch her kid and they want her not in prison long, so she watches her kid, then maybe he does get more money. There's a lot of different moving parts here. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. I mean, with the legal case, it's the case, but I'll just say this. It, there's so much evidence. There's so much proof. People can check it out and go along if they want. But the sad thing is, Jim, I mean, this is this is Eric Kramer able to tell his story. How many, not just NFL players, I mean, granted, there are a lot of NFL players dealing with CTE that are probably getting abused financially by who they think are loved ones, who they think are friends. But anybody, you know, anybody in the world that gets dementia, that gets in a car accident, has a serious brain injury, who has a brain aneurysm, you know, uh, the conservatorship program in the United States is, is it, it just, it, it's so wrong in a lot of respects. Like it doesn't, it doesn't help the person it's meant to protect and the person it's meant to protect can end up getting victimized and end up losing millions of dollars. And I mean, Casey Kasem's daughter has been very vocal. She went through something kind of similar. We obviously Britney, see Britney Spears in the news. That's a whole other story, but um, it's one of those stories I don't think we talk enough about, right? I think it happens a lot, but we just don't talk about it because no, we don't know it, what's happening. They don't know what's happening. No, Kramer it, just woke it, up. It, it's that part is just frightening. And and you think about guys that are dealing with, you know, I know we talked a lot about the concussion stuff, but you know, that's these guys that are going through that and might not understand what's happening in their brain in their day-to-day life, they may be getting taken advantage of and they don't even know it, you know, and that's, right. there's, it's just so much that goes on. And once I, I can't get over Damn. that people have to realize is they play in the NFL, but it's, it's a job just like we have jobs and you always deal, you can't, you try to separate personal and, and you know, your profession, but it's hard. We all know how hard it is when you're going home or if you're you know, going through something that people don't know about. And you just hope that there's enough. I will say Rex always was really on top of um, we had a team psychiatrist. We had, you know, he wanted players and coaches and staff to have an outlet right there in the building to, hey, you talked to, you know, you talked to her. She was outstanding. You know, she was really nice to talk to Janice first. She was a great, great lady. Um, I think she lives down in Baltimore right now. I've lost touch with her, but always enjoyed speaking with her. And the players did too. And you would see her speaking, you know, sitting at lunch with, you know, Marquise Goodwin and or whoever. And 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 you could tell that they were having some good heart to heart. She also, you know, players could go in there. She wouldn't tell any of the coaches. She wouldn't tell anybody that, hey, I spoke to him today and this is what he's going through. It was a totally intimate setting, professional, you know, just like it is in real life, professional psychiatry setting. And I think that's important that that you that there's a lot of outlets for the, to support the players, you know, as far as what they go through mentally and off the field. It's it's just like what we all go through. And then you you think you look at these guys like Superman because obviously how they, you know, with their speed and explosiveness. Yeah. And hey, when you go home, it's all human. You know, you're all the same at home for sure. And it's just you know, it's nice to have. It's nice to for them to see that team support them. That's awesome. Yeah, I That's thought that was one of the best Rex. I thought that was one of the coolest things that I saw Rex do. He Rex really does care about the players. And that's, you know, was always it's probably what made him such a successful coach. I mean, he always cared about the players. 
you know, with Eric too, I mean, Eric Kramer, it was, it started with d- depression. I mean, really that first domino was just being out of football for X number of years, being out of broadcasting, not coaching his kids anymore, then losing one son yeah. to that heroin overdose overdose and losing his mother. His, his dad becomes terminal, loses him. Like there's to your point, everybody's dealing with so much. And when you kind of into that, mix throw in potential cte throw in the fact that football is the most violent game on earth and your brain is yeah it's protected by a helmet but your brain is within the skull slushing around like i always found the first chapter of league of denial so interesting but you know the groundbreaking book documentary where you know they're talking it starts with a woodpecker on a tree like banging its head against a tree and and like yeah because evolution and darwinian is such that a woodpecker can do that like a woodpecker can bang its head against a tree that's how its brain is in its skull like the 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 angles of football and then the speed of football and how bit players are getting bigger faster stronger and the collisions unless you make it tag unless you make it flag like i'm sorry roger goodell and the 32 owners like there's going to be concussions this is going to be a problem and yeah, you can deal with it in the moment. Like they're trying to with rule changes and throw the flag more and, you know, heads up football. I mean, I think that there's probably some business interest there on wanting moms to get their kids to play, obviously, but it seems like they're, they're with the current players, they're doing a lot. But I do wonder, like with those ex players, are you doing enough like later in life when that player could be dealing with something brain wise, could be taken advantage of? like in Eric Kramer, like that, that's why I think he wants the NFL and the NFLPA to kind of get involved, like throw their hat in the ring a little bit and try, try to change this conservatorship um, issue in America. No, I don't know how they do what, it, but enter the, enter the dialogue somehow. No, but that's what's so like, when you're putting stories out there like that, that's what's so good. Like to, to remind, you know, you would love to see the NFLPA, you know, think somehow come in support, like, yeah. you know, somehow give him some type of, all these guys, it's that's probably the scariest moment for a lot of these players. And and when you see it, and you've been around these guys enough talking to them after they get done playing, is they're walking around like I don't want to. I don't want to go as drastic as Shawshank Redemption when you get out of, when that guy got free from jail, you know, and ended up. Hey, I don't know what to do, and takes his life. I don't. I you know, obviously, you hope it never gets to that, but I really do think a lot of guys retire. And what am I going to do? Right. And what's my purpose? What's what am I doing now? I mean, for all my life, I knew what I was doing. I had my, you know, and now it's, what do yeah. you do? What do you do with your life? What's your other interests? And and how many guys try to open restaurants that are just disasters, you know, and, and money pits. And, and, and they're just trying to find ways, but it's scary. I, I think for a lot of those guys, it's scary. Probably a good lesson for just everybody in life, just to try different things, right? Like just, keep your brain active and, you know, creative and, you know, pick up an instrument, like just try to climb a mountain, like just do something different that you haven't done before. If you're constantly, you know, throwing that stimuli at, at your brain, like maybe you will stay active you will stay motivated. You will find that purpose in the morning. So when you lose that one thing that you had that passion for, you aren't going to fall into a pit of depression. I don't know. I'm not a therapist, Jim, but like, no, Seems not like, either. 
I'm not either, but I've been, you know, I, you know, I feel like if you've gone through enough in life where, you know, doesn't, you don't have to be necessarily considered a therapist to at least have good advice. Cause if you've lived it and gone through things like we all have, you know, I, career changes stimulate in your brain a little bit. That's kind of, you know, Hey, I'm going through it now. And it's like one of those things I can't get back in the NFL. That's what I did for my whole professional career and scouting and roster building and, well, guess what? In the real world, that doesn't really lead to a lot as far as experience goes when you're trying to find another, if you're trying to find another career path, if you can't get back in the NFL. So to your point, you know, you have to kind of see, okay, what, what, what do I like to do? What's my passion? What will stimulate me? What will challenge me? And everybody goes through it. You just, you you went through it this year. You started going. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly. You know, I can't to- tell you how, revo- just how rejuvenated I've been like waking up in the morning, just excited right like that's it's a great point but all right let's uh let's get into the main event jim let's do it i like how we both have the nba on by the way atlanta milwaukee you still taking milwaukee for the series well definitely for the series and they i'd like to see them win tonight oh i have a nice cool i have a cool parlay tonight i did the bucks <laughs> listen this is a good one the bucks to win I just took the Bucks to win. They get the cover by four or five. So Bucks minus five. And I took Jessica Pagula tomorrow. She plays tomorrow morning in Wim- out in Wimbledon qualifying. Um, and I put her in my parlay. I, was like, what so I, got- <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. There it is. So basically I'm like trying to, you know, hopefully if Jessica wins tomorrow, finish off the play and I win some money from the, I, I look at it as the Pagulas are still paying me a little bit. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But anyway, well, all right, let's go. Let's go. Sorry. And to your point, I mean, if one of these NFL teams was smart somewhere, hire this man for the love yeah. of God. I talked to a lot of people in this game. Yeah. Jim, you're smarter and sharper than a lot of these other jabronis out there. So appreciate it. All right. Tyler. Let's hear it. Let's do it. We're gonna go right, so AFC. Go ahead. Sorry. What t- tell the tell the listeners what we're doing today. So we're kind of looking, you know, Tyler and I were talking, you know, what what could be a team that you know, obviously, I think everybody knows the Chiefs. The Bills are obviously going to be knocking on the door. That's the natural, you know, AFC championship from last year. But what are some teams that we really think, you know, could do something this year, either Super Bowl or a team that didn't make the playoffs that might make the playoffs this year, or a team people think might be good, won't be good? And starting in the AFC, Tyler, I brought up, I, I, I like this Cleveland Brown team. Um, I, I, you know, I think there's something to them. They're over under for wins um, right now in Vegas is 10 and a half. Wow. So, which, you know, you, well, you got to remember you throw in the extra game this year too. So it's mm-hmm. like, so those, to, those numbers that's went up true. a little bit, but so to me, I, that's a, to me, that was a solid pick where I, I see the Browns as a really complete team. I love, I love, I think Mayfield's a top 10 quarterback with a running game and a defense. And I and I really am impressed with Stefanski as a coach, um, just what he's done. I like his demeanor. I like his you know, we talk a lot about the, inter- the press conferences. And thing. I always like I actually like listening to him. I think he actually <laughs> says some good things. So I think the Browns are a team that, you know, and if you look back last year in the playoffs. They I mean, they played pretty. I mean, they had a chance to win that, you know, to be. Oh, I so I you know, I'm Cleveland's a team I think I, I think is a solid pick to at least go over ten and a half and make a good run at the at the Super Bowl this year. I, I love that. And I'm just I'm pulling up their their depth chart. 
and their their staff directory and when you look at their front office too i mean there are some names there there there's some guys that have a lot of experience i mean what guys what guys jump out at you when you yeah any names jump out at you um yeah i mean just you're kind of like wow i didn't i'd say you know one that does pop to me is it's glenn cook you know he was in green bay for a number of years and did a lot of really good things there came up under under ted thompson and i i think you know he went to i think he went right to cleveland and was there for kind of the analytics stuff was there for the football stuff when john dorsey and elliot wolf came in and then now andrew barry is is running the show I, I he just strikes me as somebody that has a wealth of knowledge and has been around a lot of winning um and i i I can't remember if he got looks at some GM jobs his past run, but I hope probably be getting some very soon. I mean, it's I like and Andrew Barry. I mean, you got to, I, I get a, a lot of Dorsey's players are the main, the main guys on this team, but I mean, he was able to kind of fill in some gaps and, and take what was probably a, a very good team a talented team and, and turn it into a Super Bowl contender. No, and that's, that's it's really good point. And, and they're just, to me, they're a very complete team. They have coaching, they have players, quarterback, I think the front office has been really good. I mean, even when Dor- it's, it's been a solid front office with Dorsey, even into Barry. So that's a team I think, I think that's a solid one um, where I think they're legit, like legit, legit to make the Super Bowl. Wyatt Teller drafted by the Bills as well, right guard. You know, he, he may be one of the best one, guards in the league. I, that, that, that story is hilarious. I mean, he must have rubbed some people the wrong way. Man, how does he get traded? It was just kind of a dump, right? What did they get for him? There was, there had to be something going on that hmm. scared the Bills about him. You know, for them to, to, it's not like they had some big investment in him. I mean, it was a fifth round pick, and to get a guy that that kind of, you you hit on the pick, but you gave up on him. Why? So there must have been right. something they, something spooked them to get rid of him that quick. I in my, I don't know enough. I I can dig on that one a little bit, but yeah, yeah. I, I, that, one is a, that one is a good, good one. I agree with you. That right, they've done a lot scratching. well, obviously, but that, that is a strange, especially I think Pro Football Focus had him rated as one of the two best guards in the league with their analytics. So yeah, it's, it's good. That's a yeah. good one. Defensively. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jim. Was well, there anybody else? Well, who, who in the AFC is catching your eye? Um, I know you, I know you like Cleveland. Anybody else you think maybe, you know, not, I know we don't want to talk about the Bills and Chiefs. I think we all know that Mahomes and we've done uh, those two teams. Obviously, ah, you said things. you said his name, Jim. You said it. <laughs> Let's stay in the division. I think the Los Angeles Chargers could give the Chiefs a run for their money, like a realistic run for their money. That I like it. It, it kind of flew under the radar. Maybe not for the folks that are plugging them into their fantasy football lineups and all that, but J- Justin Herbert's rookie season, I mean, his historically Tyler. phenomenal. I mean, un- unbelievable what he did as a rookie. I mean, that team is, that team is really good. And it pains me because I love, I really do respect Anthony Lynn so much. Yeah. You know, and it just kills me to think that, that, you know, they got rid of him and because man, Herbert, it's gonna. It's insane how good he is. It really is. When you really study what he did this year, he, he's 
he makes some special, special plays. And the numbers alone, you have 4,336 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 picks, a 98.3 rating. Um, obviously, he brought some athleticism as a runner, too, another five touchdowns there. But the throws he made, I mean, just the eyeball test, it just seemed like he had that ability to just stand in the pocket, shuck a guy off left, evade a guy right, know he's going to get drilled in the jaw and deliver that deep out to Keenan Allen, whoever. I mean, only five or six guys can make that kind of a throw, and he was doing it right away at 22 years old. He had some – he had rookie games just like every, I mean, just like they all do where he looked like a rookie, but it never scared you. It was like, ah, oh, it's a, you know, Hey, that happens. Ian Burrow, when you watch Joe Burrow from the Bengals and Herbert play, it, what do we always talk about? Tough. They're so tough. Like nothing phases these guys. And, and obviously they're both physically gifted. You know, Herbert is kind of off the charts with his physical skill set. I mean, being that big and that natural throwing the ball, but, um, I, I like that pick. I, I like that as a good, good. Uh... Did you, st- I know it was a, obviously more recent, but did you study him just as a, a, a fan of the game as that inner scout that, that's still in you? Like when he came out of Oregon, because I think that, you know, there, there was some doubt around Justin Herbert a little bit. I mean, we had Mark Ross no. on it and I think Mark liked Jordan Love more than he liked Justin Herbert. We talked to, to Mark about that. And Mark was a guy that he said that. And and to be honest, that is a guy that I spoke to where I was just at that, you know, at that time, you know, I was a casual just fan watching the games. I wasn't studying film. But when I was watching these Oregon games, you do you would just shake your head like, man, this guy, their offense in Oregon is kind of like, are you really taking advantage of what he does well? Or are you forcing him into your system? And I think that might have been kind of what maybe you didn't get to see really what he was capable of because there's no, there's really nothing he can't do. And and that's a hard thing to say. And so you don't find that many times with a guy. So um, no, this is, this one's a good one. I, this year was fun for me to watch him because, yeah. you know, when he got put in, I was thinking, okay, let's see, this could be, and you, you're like, wow, it, Mike, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, those guys weren't bailing him out. He was like, he was yeah. making them better. And that's what we always talk about. When quarterbacks raise the game of other people, he does that. So I like that. I like that as a pick by They you. draft another receiver in Josh Palmer, Tennessee, I believe, right? Yep. Um, they lose Hunter Henry, but they bring in Jared Cook, who still yeah. has some game he, left. Yeah, you know, you can, you can fit him in. Corey Lindsley, obviously they paid big, big dollar for him, but – one of the better centers and in the national football league. So I, I, I guess the question would be on defense, right? Like, I mean, to get Derwin James yeah. back. Yeah. Um, no, their defense should be, you're right. I mean, that's the question, but I like that pick as like a team that, you know, we just think of bills Chiefs so much in the AFC right now. And I know a lot of people talk about the Broncos, but they do have a nice, they do have a good football team. Is that I your, think uh, that, no, uh, yeah, here's my Browns. point on you like, this. You like the Broncos? No. If, if Drew Locke is starting, I'm not buying in yet. But if they do, if that trade, if that's Aaron Rodgers, there I mentioned Rodgers, so got it out of the way. <laughs> I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to do it, I promise. That was my fault. But if it does happen, the Broncos certainly become right away a team you need to pay attention to, I think. 
man i, I don't although go I, although i'm not a big hole, although i don't love i don't love when you just throw in a you know guy at the last second you know mm-hmm. like i know tampa did it but you know he was there a little bit longer than you know aaron right now is nowhere so but yeah let's stick to the okay so browns and chargers those are good. Things. You know, I, I, I we got to stay on this real quick. We do, we do. Mike Florio had a post. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't thought of this with Aaron Rodgers. That could be a silver bullet, as he put this Friday. He could opt out yeah. and still get paid. Opt so, out. I mean, it makes it interesting. If, if, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you want the threat of retirement to be real to the Green Bay Packers and you want them to think you would rather not play than play for them. It doesn't hurt to have that also up your sleeve. I'm just saying. He would opt out. And obviously they go with Jordan Love and say it, it doesn't go well. They don't make the playoffs. What, what could he demand? I mean, he'll just party in Hawaii and, you know. And then they'll, bring, they'll, they'll be like, okay, well, I'll come back now. You saw what happened without me. It, the whole thing is just, I know, but that opt-out yeah. thing yeah. is insane. It makes I mean, it that is such a twist, such a twist. All right, we'll end it there. I promise we'll end it there. If something oh, happens well, with Aaron no Rodgers, Rodgers, we'll talk right. about it. We'll talk I'm sure about you're, it. But... You'll, you'll, you'll bring something up. <laughs> Are you, um, okay, so that takes us to the NFC, though. You know, I'll, I'll go New York Giants. I I know like- we... Uh, we, we've talked about them a few times on this podcast. I think we debated a little bit about Joe Judge and his style. I kind of like it. I like it. I know it might seem <clears throat> throwback, old school. Maybe maybe he bites a kneecap or two with, his, with Dan Campbell. I don't know. But I, I, I kind of like his approach. I do. Let's start I there. Mean, if you, I, the Joe Judge thing, it had nothing to do with his actual coach. The, the thing I didn't like about Joe Judge was him crying about not making the playoffs. Oh, yeah. right. Well, the, the, the Philly thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah See, I, I think that was just an opportunity he took to try to rally his guys. Into the whatever. But it was to me just <clears throat> that's behind. That should be behind closed doors. And but they, they play hard for him. They have a good football team. I think I, I'm not sold on Daniel Jones, you know, so that would be the key for me to see. <clears throat> That's it. I don't I mean, like what I've seen. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in love with what I've seen from him. But that team plays hard, and and they are well coached. He does do. They they they're very good with like time management and rules of the game. I like that he he's into all that. I think that's important. So I do think I think the Giants will be interesting. I mean, there really was a time when I thought all cult, culture talk was kind of bullshit and just nonsense, and and a lot a lot of it is. I mean, there there is a lot of pontificating and. You know, a lot of nonsense kind of chat into the atmosphere, as we like to say. But there is something to a good culture. There, is, I mean, as you know, Jim, like if you have a really good culture and you have players that are going to run through a wall and buy in and just be a real team, like it means something. It, I think it really does. And it can happen in different ways. I think in Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, that, that effect and the things he did maybe behind the scenes as a leader – um, is it, how they were able to kind of galvanize things. But I think the Giants have that effect to a degree with, with Joe Judge. And you talk to players on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I'm thinking uh, James Bradbury. I've, I've chatted with him, Logan Ryan. Um, they really say that this is something special that they think is building there and that it's 
not necessarily going to show up on the scoreboard right away, but they had a little run in the season. You could see them playing hard. They beat Seattle when Seattle was a legit Super Bowl contender. So, and they have talent. I mean, they were able to bring back Leonard Williams. Um, I mean, he's a stud in the defensive line. Offensively, they signed Kenny Galladay for, for a lot of money, but I mean, he's a legit number one. <laughs> Saquon Barkley could be a, the best running back in football if he's healthy. Um, they, they've drafted a lot of linemen. You got to think that the Andrew Thomases and Will Hernandez's of the world will, will turn a corner with where they were drafted. But I don't know. I mean, I, I get it. You got to rationalize it a little bit with that big question mark at quarterback and either believe in Daniel Jones or you don't. But I wouldn't be surprised if the New York Giants got, got in the playoffs. If the New York Giants won that division. No, I like it. And that's the thing with culture is I'm with you on culture but it always is going to come back to that quarterback. And, yeah. and, and, and you can build everything the right way and have everybody in place and have all the right, you know, desire and intelligence and all the production. And all the, But that quarterback, Jones has to get better. He really does. He did not play that well last year. I, I, that That's the only thing holding me back from buying into the Giants totally. But the culture part, they bought into the coach, and that's the coach's probably number one job is to have the team buy in. So they're going to be fighting. And that division, I think Philly's going to be a mess. Yeah. I'm not, I'm still, you know, Washington, I know everybody's talking about Washington, but as far as like their defense and, but I mean, I like Fitzpatrick, but I mean, they're, you know, come on. And Dallas, I'm not buying into Dallas. I'm sorry. I like Dak, but I'm not blaming Dak, but that team, I don't think that team's as good as people say they are. So, and I'm not a Mike McCarthy guy at this point, especially from talking with you a little bit. But um, I number one goal is win your division. You know, get so the Giants to me they could be the best team in that division if Jones takes a little step. That's a great breakdown. I mean, it's 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 a huge if. It's at the most important position it, it, to in me, sports. Tyler, to be honest, it's a it is a big if. I really don't think he played very well this year. Like I didn't yeah. see a growth in him that you would have wanted to see. And now here's the thing though, who what's a quarterback we always talk about his first two years were shaky was Josh Allen. So yeah. let's, let's, that's why I'm saying, let's see what Jones has to offer. Cause we know he's fighting hard. We know he's trying. Um, you do see some toughness with him and, and he does have some skill. He does make some plays. It's just got it. He's got to get way more. His interceptions are bad. His fumbles are bad. You know, his lack of, um, decision-making really has been a question mark for me. Yeah. Um, you just shake your head on a lot of his decisions. So can he improve on that? Sure. So this will be, this was it for, I mean, I think it's a make or break for him. He's certainly regressed statistically and he's also eight and 18 as a starter. <clears throat> and we just talked about Justin Herbert lighting the league on fire out of the shoot. So there know, it is. there's That's also that, I mean, I, I get the Josh it. Allen thing, but like we, we do see guys instantly bring it. Yes, and those guys usually become our pretty special. Yeah. So yeah, All right, I'm not talking myself out of this though. New York Giants, no, I like 10 and it. Six. I like it. Sorry, eleven and six. Book it. Playoffs. Division champs. I like it. Hit I'm, I'm not yours. against it. I'm not against that because I do think they can win that division. So yeah. It's... Who do you got, Jim? All right, NFC for me is the San Francisco 49ers, and I don't know Ooh. if that's considered a crazy pick or not but um interesting pick once again they're over under i think he's like 10 and a half wins this year 
um, just like the Browns. So obviously Vegas feels Is like they're really? going to be pretty good. Yeah. They're Tyler. This is a good football team. This is a, they were not healthy. Okay. They have not been healthy. They're going to be healthy this year. And I'm saying if it's Jimmy G or Trey Lance, I'm, I'm leaving that whoever they pick at quarterback, I will trust Shanahan on that and he'll figure it out. They have a defense. They have an offensive line. They have a running game, playmakers at receiver, beast tight end. Garoppolo's taking them to, he's taking them to a Super Bowl already. So it's not like he can't play. They just might not, he might not be Shanahan's ideal starter. And that's why they took Trey Lance. But I think this 49er team is pretty good. I, I, I'm keep, I, I think this is going to be a team that it's going to, you know, people aren't thinking about them because everybody's just talking about who's going to be the quarterback. I don't really care which one it is. I think Shanahan will get that right. Is there a player on the roster that you particularly loved as a scout or, or love today that maybe we don't talk enough about? Debo Samuel. <clears throat> I like love. it. So tough. He is what uh, – give me – Receivers that are tough and talented like that are just sign me up all day for those guys. Now to that point, just to go like Debo's a guy that um, he was, I fall, I wasn't scouting um, with the bills. I was out of the league at that time, but I watched, I was lit. I always watched South Carolina and was just a big yeah. Debo fan. Now a guy that we did miss on the whole NFL missed on was George Kittle, you know, where he went fifth round. I mean, it's crazy. Tyler. It's insane. I was at Iowa's practice that year. And the only reason we were really, Whaley and I went there together and we were really there to look at like Desmond King was talking about, um, I can't remember if he was talking about coming out early or if he was a senior that year. He may have been a senior, but King was the kind of the, the corner safety that's with, yeah. you know, that's playing well for the Chargers. I think, no, he was drafted by the Chargers. I don't know who he's with now. Anyway, Kittle, Kittle wasn't like, you didn't, you weren't blown away watching him. He didn't dominate at the position in the Big Ten. I mean, he made some plays, but you didn't see this. Then he worked out. Then his combine happened, pro day. And you're like, whoa, wait a second. I mean, numbers were off the charts. But, you know, the whole NFL saw every, every saw him the same. I mean, it was almost what like you talked about Stephon Diggs. He's almost yeah. like Diggs, almost exact, where the whole NFL just whiffed on Kittle and Diggs as far as – we all saw him the same as as a chance, but I won't even say the NFL whiffed on George Kittle. I mean, what about Kirk Ferentz in Iowa as a football program to not use him? Well, I mean, that's, that's all look at his numbers. Like he, <laughs> right, right. He never had more than twenty-two receptions in a season. His first two years, he had, all right. Let's just go right down it. Twenty thirteen, five catches for one hundred eight yards. Twenty fourteen at Iowa one catch for 25 yards, 2015, 20 catches for 290 yards, six scores, 2016, 22 catches, 314 yards, four scores. I mean, this is, it's incredible that Kirk Ferentz is, is the longest tenured coach in college football. I, I know he's won a little there, but the more you talk to players that come out of there, it's like, I, they go, they go kind of go and say like, Oh my God, I had this gift. I had this skill. I had this talent. Why are we playing this this way? It's straight out of 1962. And as an NFL scout, that would drive me nuts. 
that like Kittle's whole season in Iowa, I feel like he's had in one game before where he's had <laughs> like 15 catches for like whatever. It's just, that's what I'm saying. That's how crazy, you know, scouting is where, you know, Hey, his workout his when he worked out and, you know, we kind of joke about workout numbers, but here's where it goes, you know, where, Hey, his workout numbers were off the charts yeah. and, you know, it didn't help him get drafted higher but it certainly would give you confidence to take a shot on him in the fourth or fifth round and say, Hey, yeah, he had no production in college, but you know, and it, it, that's where, and that's how Sean Payton was with Jimmy Graham. We took Jimmy Graham in New Orleans where, yeah, Hey, look, I, 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 I know there's not a ton of production yet, but I I'm looking at this guy and I see he can do everything I need him to do. And Shanahan and, and those guys felt that way. Was Shanahan there? I might be wrong on that. That might've been Trent Baalke might've drafted him. I think it was yeah yeah i'd have to look back on that i get i don't remember when shanahan took over in san fran but i like that pick though jim i mean i, I i'm still kind of in where's your weakness mode. For, where do you see a weakness for san fran is it just the quarterback for you hmm. they have running i mean they, they drafted um or no they got i think they have gallman trey from, sermon they drafted him yeah so they were hey, is a stud when he's out there. Um, oh, I just think. Yeah, I guess it would just, just be quarterback. You know, I'm with you. I, it, I, I have a hard time just saying, "Oh, that season was ruined by injuries." I get it; they had a lot of injuries last year. But Kyle Shanahan, I, I don't know. Like, let's let, let's see what he can do as a head coach. I, I, we all tend to paint him as a genius. He's 35 and 45. He choked yeah. in two huge moments. Yeah. I mean, he they, they blew a 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl. They all they had to do was run the ball and kick a field goal, and they're Super Bowl champs at the end of that game. Blew the Super Bowl um, against the Chiefs. Was it a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter? So I get it. Like you know, he is designing plays in a way that's cutting edge and unlike other coaches. And we all tend to think, okay, you know, give him this quarterback with this ability, he'll make the best use of it. But I, I don't know. It's he's a six and 10, four and 12, 13 and three, six and 10 head coach so far. So we can blame injuries all we want. Let's, let's see what he does this season. If he has another losing season, that's four out of five seasons as a head coach that they've had a losing season. So I'm not, I guess I'm not in a rush to just anoint him as one no, of the best coaches. I don't disagree with you. Coach. I don't disagree with you on that. I just feel like, I when I look at that team, I just like I just like how complete they are. I think they can beat you in a lot of ways, and I think that defense could be nasty. Bosa, Bosa was That's a out good point on the D. Yeah, no Robert Sala. Does that have an effect? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I'm always the players are the players will be. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Hey, fair enough. You know, another guy I love on that team. His name comes up a lot when you talk to other cornerbacks who study cornerbacks, Jason Verrett. I oh. know he has, he's barely been healthy his whole career. It seems like he, he has season and injury like three years, but he's a stud when he's out there. If he wasn't hurt as much as he has been, we would talk about him all the time. You're that's a great call. We, that guy is a complete corner. Like just everything, everything, you know, injuries have definitely held him back from, you know, elevating to a superstar type player maybe, but. You're, that's a good call. I, I'm telling you, that team is, is pretty loaded. Yeah. 
Anybody they in are. see? That's you said fair. Giants. So we got Giants, 49ers, Chargers, Browns. How about a team? Here's a team that I think isn't going to be that I'm betting yeah. the under on is. Let's do it. Yeah, the, we got to be, we got to go all, all spectrums here. So the Dallas Cowboys are over under nine and a half wins. I'm going under. There's something about this team I just don't think is, I feel like we're just, okay, Dak's coming off an injury. Elliott's supposedly getting in shape this year, Ezekiel Elliott. But that offensive line's not the same. That offensive line has has come back to the to the pack a little bit. Um, I still don't know where they've improved on defense, where you can sit there and say they're going to be that good on defense. And I, Mike McCarthy, I'm, I'm going under Dallas nine and a half wins. And I just agree with you, like wholeheartedly with that, because I mean, it's I'm only with you. Crazy on any of that, and I love that. I think Dak Prescott is a stud quarterback. But I just think there's some things going against him. I do think, like I said, I think Washington's defense is going to be good. Mm-hmm. The Giants are going to be good. That division's not going to be a joke like it was, you know, last year. So I don't know. I, I think Dallas, I'm not buying into Dallas yet. I think you're right. I, I love Dak too. And it was good to see him get paid after his leg snaps in half like that. He, he deserved it. But I can't get past Mike McCarthy as, as the head coach. Um you know, talk about choking in big moments. That's what he's done for a good decade now. Um, you know, and, and just the way that practice is conducted and the day-to-day life is when he's the head coach. I, I thought, I, obviously, the whole massage anecdote is what a lot of people ran with in the story I did at, at Bleacher Report. But I, I thought more telling than that was a player telling me that, you know, all of his attention at practice was toward the offensive side of the ball. And that when he's constantly talking like if there's individual drills he's always with the quarterbacks and the offense and he's if the, if the defense is constantly just kind of pushed to the back burner that, that's going to catch up to you in january and it did i mean they hosted playoff games and were bullied you know what i mean like it eventually it, these little things add up behind the scenes and, and a lot of it is talent level and maybe not having the horses that you need that time of year too but there, there's there's just something there because then when you look at Dallas's roster, you look at their defense, I, there's really nobody there that, that scares you. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence got paid and he's a good edge rusher, but beyond him, I don't, I don't know. Like, and they took a lot of, they drafted a lot of defense this year, but a lot of risk involved with a lot of those picks, a lot of off field question marks. So one or two or three of those could backfire. And then offensively, you're right. I mean, all the bells and whistles, it looks nice. You know, you see that car at the dealership and it's got the rims and, you know, maybe it has, I don't know. I haven't bought a car in a while, Jim. What would be Dallas's offense? Everything's looking good on the outside, but the engine is, is shot. Yeah, there, there's something that's one of those you, you wouldn't be able to figure out, like, and this car on paper looked great. Like they got used. I don't see where the weakness is, but just not. I, I that and Jerry Jones that. is like, that snake oil salesman, right? In the in the back office no selling doubt. you that car. <laughs> no doubt. In his big Paying bus, Dad, like you saw in Indianapolis, having the parties on in on the bus in Indianapolis. Oh my god. I like that. So is there a team? Um here's a team I want to ask you about. It's obviously everybody's picking to go to the Super Bowl, is the Rams. Um, is it that simple? 
are, are they going to get Stafford and just go? I'm. Part of me wants to say they don't do it. Like I, I really don't want to. Like, are they really just going to go to the Super Bowl? But man, they do look pretty loaded. They do. I'm pulling up their roster here again, but like, I, are you buying into that? That's what I'm asking you. Are you buying into I mean, that definite kind of NFC favorite? To win no, I don't think so. Like I, and we've probably talked about Stafford here and there. I we watching him in the yeah. NFC North as, as long as I have, it just seems like a, a lot of those numbers are, they're empty numbers. It's, it's at the end of games and, I, I get it. People love to mock wins, losses, and say it's not a quarterback stat. But he's been in the league since 2009. He's been a starter since 09. Yeah, and he's four, yeah, 16 games under 500 as a starter. Like, that's who you're going to say is absolutely going to make you a Super Bowl contender. I, I, I don't see to, it. I mean, you know, we talked about it when the trade went down. I mean, this McVay – He's all in. I mean, this is his. They got to get. They got to get to the Super Bowl this year or next year, or else I, you know, I think Bay's probably out. I mean, which is wild in. to say, isn't it? But you're right. You're absolutely I think that's, right. I, I think they mortgaged their whole team to win, you know, this year or next year. So it is crazy to say that because I, I do think he's a really good coach. But I mean, when you mortgage that much and you're basically the guy, the quarterback that got you to the Super Bowl golf who you drafted you basically said no he's the reason we're not winning the Super Bowl yeah it's on you now as the coach so you you went we got you the guy you wanted see what happens and it was I mean that trade we kind of forget about it because of everything that's gone on with Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers but you give up a ton to get Matthew Stafford who may not even be better than Jared Goff who took you to a Super Bowl this is a golf-friendly podcast, at least on this end. But it wasn't only that, Jim. I mean, look at what else they did with uh, the Jalen Ramsey deal and contract. Mm-hmm. He's the richest cornerback by far. Leonard they're all Floyd, in. They're all in. They're all in. I mean, they're all in. Aaron Donald's deal. They're all in across the board. It's un- it's unbelievable the money that they threw out and yes. the draft picks that they just – Said, oh, we don't, we don't need picks. We'll just, we'll just take the proven guy. I mean, Leonard Floyd signed a four-year, sixty-four million dollar contract. Thirty-two point yeah. five of that's guaranteed. I mean, the team that drafted him, team that drafted him, he didn't get it done for them. The Bears. I mean, that's that's a crazy one. Your golf, you're, you're talking about your boy golf. I had to sneak that in. You know, the over/under for Detroit Lions wins is five. I'm taking, just so you know, I'm betting the over on Detroit because I believe in your scouting ability. If golf, <laughs> if golf can't that. win, if golf can't win at least five, five I push. If golf can't win five games, six, give me six. Come on. Brad Holmes, I'm not a gambling man, but it yeah, might be that's time. It. Detroit, I mean, we saw with Brad Holmes, they, they drafted the Oregon offensive yeah. tackle to protect him. This, they've loaded golf up with talent. So it's <laughs> they've loaded. It's a, a plethora of, of riches over there in Detroit. I mean, hey, they added my boy Jamal Williams at running back. You know, you, you bring him in. Let, let's pull up the Lions here. Look at that. Look at those riches. You got Panay Sewell. Did I pronounce that right? Oh, yeah. 
Khalif Raymond, I kind of liked him in Tennessee. Underrated. Tyrell mm. Williams. Brashard Perriman. I'm telling you. Quintez this... Cephas. Geronimo Allison. Yeah, I'm not a lot going defense. on. I'm looking at that defense. I'm not seeing a lot. Oh. Five might be a That's little a... high, Jim. <laughs> I'm just counting <laughs> on golf to like. You know, he, he'll get you five. No, my boy will get. He'll get you five. He'll get you five. I'm doing it. You know what? If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. You know what? We might have to do the next podcast uh, at the casino, and I'll throw down. I'll throw down some money on that bet. You know, I think they'll get the six. Hey, they got T.J. Hawkinson, right? We. Hey. Well, any other teams that we should head on before we sign off? I like that. I think we. I think we did good. Anytime oh, you can fun. mix in, anytime you can go from, you know, we go from Eric Kramer and finish. Mm. We did a, but finish with Jared Goff, like Detroit. Did pretty good. We got a, you know, I'll try to get Jared Goff on this podcast too, or, or something to go along because it's time. It's time. Hey, Brad Holmes. He said that he's not just a bridge option. So that was the news yesterday. They don't see him as just a bridge quarterback. I will say this, Jared Goff, we just said Matthew Stafford. What was he, 14 games under 500? Jared Goff, 42 and 27. I think he has the most wins this side of Tom Brady since 2017. This should be the easiest easiest money I've ever made. Did you mortgage little Walter's? College tuition? I hope not. Okay, no, good. no. Okay. How much we talking here? No, not enough to. It's not. It, it won't hurt me. Okay, good. All right. All right. Well, that was fun, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you made it to the end here, we appreciate it. <laughs> um, hey, this week we're gonna have Jeff Schwartz on the podcast. So looking forward to that. Um, just an awesome follow on Twitter. Obviously, the former NFL offensive lineman. His brother plays for the Chiefs, um, so I'm sure he'll have a lot of stories. I mean, he played eight years himself. I don't know if you have any Jeff Schwartz stories. I mean, you, you guys were around the same time. but The one thing I'd love to ask him is how he felt about Eli when they benched Eli. Yeah, that'd be good. We'll try to get some honesty out of him. I think he, I think he will be honest. He's a straight shooter. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.